Ready? Everybody ready to clap? How far apart should this be? Oh, it doesn't matter. I'm going to count three, two, one, and then the clap comes. It's like rock, paper, scissors. Shoot. Okay. Ready? Three, two, one. Oh, Chris didn't even try. Oh, wow. One more time. What are you talking about? He has no, he has no rhythm. <laughs> well, at least in my video, it looked like Chris didn't even try. Yeah, Ready? you get your Three, video together. Two, <laughs> one, clap. That was much better. Well, this is Sunday Recap, the weekly edition of the Grace Bible Church podcast, where we talk about life and faith based off of our sermon this past Sunday. For more sermons and recordings, of our podcast, visit begrace.org slash podcast. For more information about Grace Bible Church, visit begrace.org. Oh, what do we do with our names now? All right, let's go um, and say who we are. Or should I just say everybody? I ruined everything. Mm-hmm. I chose not to use the children's use clip this week. and uh, We should. They can hear our voice. It'd be really and, nice. And identify. Yeah, we need to do it, but I was trying to think of an order. And it's hard to do it. We'll just see what happens. I'll start, and you go guys with go with... Go, well, you don't know my screen unless you have a podcast open. All right. Oh. Well, we'll see who goes first and last. Well, I'm Joey Colon. I'm Chris Webster. James Freeman Wilson. <laughs> and I'm Elliot. I'm a faithful follower of Christ. And I'm celebrating recovery. No, I said celebrate recovery. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm Dave McMurray, a child of God. Happy to be here. Was that everybody? I was like, did Chris go? I think so. All right. Well, that was everybody. That was a great start. This is what happens when I don't open up my uh, my checklist. I got it all in my checklist. And it's just weird and different. I think last week, Elliot introduced everybody. Speaking of which, thank you, Elliot and Kendrick, last week for running the show, Woo-hoo! for hosting yeah. and uh, taking care of business. I think Jim was actually on a real vacation, like in Colorado or something. Uh, I was uh, hanging out with family who came into town, and I think Chris was hanging out with his family, too. Yeah, South Padre, that's what, that's what Elliot said you were doing last week. We know we did chase down all the the water spots we could find. We swam in uh, Lake Belton, which is three times smaller than the sea. Oh, and yeah. And then mm-hmm. I think three times. Did you know what you said? Yeah, anyway, yeah. and then we went to Nolan Creek. So we swam in two days and one. So it was the only way to survive the summer in Texas. Mm-hmm. Got to do it. Well, Nolan Creek has some really, really fun nicknames around town. If you ever find them, Uh-oh. I won't say them here. But <laughs> I don't know what they are. They're probably Uh-oh. bad. It rhymes with Nolan. All right. Well, thank you again. It was nice. I took the week off. I didn't do much. So thanks for filling in the gaps and taking it. Um, maybe before we start, you did a business update, Dave, and talked about the different ways that we're gathering together. Maybe mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. could recap those and what that'll look like for yeah. this coming up Sunday. Um, yeah. We know that it's hard to reach out to all of you and catch all of you. So we're saying everything a million times. That way, hopefully, you hear it at least once. That's our goal. So Yeah. We're, uh, so we are trying to get into a new rhythm. Staff was just talking about this morning. 
So limited social distance interior service in the mornings. And so about 75 spots that people can register for uh, based on trying to maintain social distance. We sing outside and then we come inside for the sermon. And then the evening, we just had our first of the new rhythm, 8 p.m. during the sunset. The sunset was gorgeous. So I feel like just based on sunset beauty and people longing to get outside that that's going to pick up. But, you know, I don't know. It was our first one. We announced it kind of late in the week and we didn't have a ton of people come out. But uh, those are the two two main options in addition to the watching the broadcast from the comforts and air conditioning of your own home. So. Yeah. Eight o'clock, we know, is rough for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's rough yeah. for us. Hard yeah. for people with kids. little kids. But Yeah. I need to readdress the sunset and see if it starts to go down earlier. Because yesterday was the, what do you summer call it, solstice. longest day? Summer solstice. solstice. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that was the latest sunset or just the longest day? I think it means you know you're saying? supposed to dance outside with yeah. flowers in your hair. <laughs> Yes. Yes. So I'm I'm thinking it was the longest day, but that the sun actually goes down later. It just rises later. Also, does that sound right? Uh, I think summer solstice means it is the longest day of sun. Yeah. Yeah. But that, like, if the sun went down eight thirty to nine last night, it's gonna it can go down like later throughout the summer, though, right? Anybody know? I think that's what happens. I think it goes down earlier, but by like 10 oh, seconds okay. every day. Uh, okay. <laughs> but I don't really know. Gotcha. I'm not a scientist. All right. If we got any weather watchers out there, you can comment in the stream, which we will then read in an hour. Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. That's business. Other business. Um, we celebrate our high schoolers graduating. <clears throat> high schoolers. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I was going to say we'll miss you, but some of you are staying local-ish. I know some of you are going to UMHB. I can't remember the other schools, so say goodbye before you leave at least. Don't just run away. And all you PCSers, too. If you're getting PCS orders, don't just leave without saying goodbye. <laughs> it's not cool. It's not cool. All right. Ready? Any other business? I don't think so. All right. Well, this week we have ads for the first time. We're mm-hmm. getting sponsored. Not really. I was going to make Elliot do one, but then Jim's face was like, stop it. All right. <laughs> All right. Stories of the King. This is our third week. Is that accurate? Yeah. Third, third week, week of this series, Stories of the King. Mm-hmm. They grow up so fast. Um, the series is about the world being broken, um, but there's a true king who came to save it and to save us. And so we want to hear uh, about him and hear what he had to say. It's kind of a just of the series maybe that was that's good that's it. good it's weird i can't see everyone's faces at the same time because of how i have my screen set up so i uh, see a couple faces and if one face is weird i'm wondering if i'm messing everything up i am yes. not being self-forgetful right now i'm oh, no. because i can see myself mm-hmm. i think i worry forget about yourself too man much. i gotta lose myself in the moment all right <laughs> yes, stories yes. of the king this week was the king in the storm. So you talked from Mark chapter 4. Um, somebody want to recap this story real quick? What is the story from Mark chapter 4 about a storm? Someone, someone summarize it. Yeah, Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake. And so they got in the boat, started to go to the other side. 
Jesus took a nap on a cushion in the back, and this huge storm came up, and there was water coming into the boat, and the disciples became afraid. Mm-hmm. So they woke Jesus up and said, what? You don't even care about us? <laughs> and he, he quieted the storm abruptly, and then they were awed by the power of God the man in their boat. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I really enjoyed uh, one moment and when you were telling it, Dave, when it said Jesus was asleep, and Eli, my uh, 11-year-old, just laughed out loud. Like, he got it before he even said anything later. It was like, Jesus, taking a nap in the middle of all this. You know, it's just like the things you, yeah, you just forget about. Anyway, we'll talk about that later, but I just love that right away he just, he busted out laughing. Anyway, <laughs> it's good times. Fascinating story. Good so irony. So good. <laughs> well, thank you, Jim. Appreciate you summarizing the story. What would you guys say is like big picture idea before we jump into main points of the king in the storm if you had to like put one focus or one directing of attention i don't know we do that in a second with three different points but mm-hmm. hmm. <laughs> i liked dave's three points they're pretty, pretty good yeah those are good <laughs> yeah those are good <laughs> It's hard to eliminate one or two. <laughs> um, I guess I would say confidence in Jesus' power. Um, mm-hmm. It's just power that's on display. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say having confidence in, in that. Mm. Good. From a, from the human side, I think we tend to look at storms as just problems that we have to face. Right. And we forget that there's someone else involved. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah. I think one of <clears throat> I think one of the big things that caught my attention was um, that storms can get scary and then we focus our attention on them, mm-hmm. you know, instead of mm-hmm. where we should be focusing our attention. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, you talked about survival. Think- oh, go ahead, Chris. No, I guess I was trying to summarize. One of one of the big ways I was thinking about is just nothing is evident, and you're not alone. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, I think you unpack all of that, but yeah. those are some of the big things I need to hold on to. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you started off by saying something along the lines of, "I'm going to be looking at your notes somewhat," but I did actually have a better opportunity to listen a couple times already to your sermon so hopefully mm-hmm. i'm saying truths of what you talked about and not just truths from your notes but um you you kind of talked about jesus calling us into the storm right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and then his calling means some things right and those were your points that he takes us through the storm uh, he's mm-hmm. unafraid of storms and he builds faith um Within the storms or through the storms in the storms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you want to jump right into the main points, or did you want to tell us a little yeah. bit about them? Um, no, I was just trying to, you know. So just by way of method, we like to talk a little background about how do we get to the sermon because we're trying to model for people how to teach the Bible and um, narrative is a little tricky, you know. So you can you can come up with big 
principles of what we see about God and man from a narrative. But since it's not as explicit in a narrative, it's helpful to say, okay, are these things taught in other places? So, mm. so just to kind of uncover that for people, <clears throat> you want to be careful and not just go, I'm observing something in a narrative. I'm going to make that into a universal truth. Every time okay. God always does this, you know, well, <laughs> you know, not necessarily, but I was trying to focus in on stuff that was readily supported, you know, in, in other passages that, that lined up with this narrative passage. So that's, that was kind of how I came up with those points. Sweet. <clears throat> I always think of, uh, that always makes me think of our, uh, one of our old assistant pastors, Stephen Watson. Do you remember when he, he was preaching through this and about the import? Well, he was actually, he was talking about the importance of community when you're, um, Bible and not just running with your own thought on it. That's what made me think of it. And he said he was like, when he was in junior high or something, he was he was thinking about this passage, and Jesus said to the storm, "Peace, be still." So he, I wonder if the name of nature is peace. He wasn't saying peace. He was telling it its name and then, then telling it to be still. And, and now, right, that was ridiculous. And I needed someone around to say, "No, that's ridiculous." <laughs> but anyway, every time every time I read that story now, I think about that like. Yeah, you could really run away with one word and one crazy idea that's not like supported by scripture. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that, that's not a good. Yeah, point. there's like fortune cookie Bible interpretation too, where people just like flip through their Bible and then like, here's the verse for me right now, even though they're oh goodness, yeah. yeah. And I've yeah. seen this, and I've seen this, uh, this story kind of butchered a lot. Just um, mm-hmm. just replacing your name in it or whatever circumstance you're going through. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe maybe you laid on your taxes, that becomes a storm, mm-hmm. or you know, it could be a it could be a slew of different things, mm-hmm. and it becomes a storm in your life. And then I think at that time it kind of minimizes the power of Jesus, like you, you put the focus on yourself and not just on Christ alone. Mm-hmm. Um, the disciples, I mean, he's just coming off the end of I think he's just choosing them or something, and now this is their first time like really seeing his power on display, and they're like he just saw talking to them about faith and the parable of the sword. And all these other things. And he's like, yeah, I mean, you better have faith, man. I'm showing you who I am. Mm-hmm. So um, in the story, the way it aligns in the story is beautiful. So I think I think you're right. You know, you got to be careful when you interpret narrative because mm-hmm. it can become something more for you than it is than to see Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we jumped too quickly to my situation without really giving time to, okay, what did this mean in the moment? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe maybe help us set the picture then for what this meant in the moment. So, mm-hmm. like, I, I guess I was a little confused. You said that Israelites were always afraid of the sea and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that it was a crazy mm-hmm. lake and there are always storms regularly. Um, so what what would that look like then for Jesus to say, like, come on, let's go to the other side? Would they have all been terrified and like assuming a storm was coming or? No. So, so two pieces, that lake was dangerous, but these were experienced fishermen. So they wouldn't have been terrified to cross the other side, but but crossing the other side was a big deal. So the bigger thing of Israelites always being afraid of water is it's just the most common metaphor throughout the Bible for danger and, and death and chaos. So it just it just comes up again and again as like the symbol, you know, if you're going to write a psalm or you're going to write 
a prophecy that's very common for waters, rivers, oceans, lakes to be symbols of, of death and, and drowning and destruction. So, yeah, so it's just, it's, it's like water is a deadly thing. So in a sense, you might say these were brave men that made their living on the water. They were actually braver than most Israelites <laughs> because most Israelites were scared of water. But these yeah. were fishermen. They made their living, you know, braving the water. But crossing all the way across, it was a huge lake. You know, normally when they went out fishing, they wouldn't have gone all the way across to the pagan neighborhood on the other side where the ten cities were. So, I was, yeah, so there's, there's a little more nuance there. But, yeah, it's definitely always a symbol of death in general. These guys were used to the water. And so the fact that they were scared is kind of an even bigger confirmation that it was a horrible storm <laughs> because they were used to the little storm. You know, they were used to the storms that would blow up all the time. So. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that clarifies it. And then they went in the evening, which was also really weird. That's mm -hmm. even scarier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, such a tension. It's, I think it's like, if you think about a business in our world that's a dangerous business, you know, you'd be like, oh, yeah, the normal American would be scared of that. These are the <laughs> kinds of guys that did that dangerous business, but most people would be scared of it. You know, I think that's probably a safe way mm -hmm. to say it, like, you know, high-rise construction or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's such a, a i've i've pondered and studied the the water metaphor for cinema just fascinated by that the poetic side of that and yeah i think all the things you said and then i would add on it seems to be it is the bigness water like it's so mm -hmm. much bigger than us mm -hmm. it's well it's the unknownness so that i think the darkness metaphor is similar there where it's like there's some there's stuff down there we don't even know right it's just mm -hmm. this unknown quantity and then it's the it can't be old thing that like we are we're just yeah helpless to that so i think i think that's really interesting to to really understand the ethos of like <laughs> that culture this view of water right because mm -hmm. we tend to come from a land of we understand everything that's on the bottom of the ocean or you know even though that's not yeah. true but we we feel that way and we're like we we've do. got these giant Anchor boats that we be fine, or we'll just fly over it, or whatever. But it's very different than being one on the water, but in a storm, even like storms. When you talk about that a little bit, Texas stuff, that's awesome. But man, there's a difference between being in a house, you know, with yeah. lights, right. and being in a tent or out on the water. Like we've mm -hmm. none of us have ever experienced that so we have to kind of engage our imagination to really get to what they were experiencing like yeah, i think kind of crazy almost none of us has, has experience of complete yeah. helplessness that that would have been mm. yeah actually I I, i've been on a in a storm on the gulf of mexico on a deep sea fishing boat wow. 65 Whoa. people on it there were three people who weren't puking and wow. <laughs> and and wow. these bait boxes they have, they're, they're like six by six bait boxes. They cut the bait on and stuff. Those things were washing back and forth across the deck. It wow. was it was tossing the boat so hard. It wow. was terrifying. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I can I can even imagine. Yeah, yeah. So imagine I, that big boat in that storm. This was a little boat. Yeah, it's a little boat. boat. Yeah. Little boat. yeah. yeah. Mm. With I no motor, I would have been freaking out. Yeah, no lights, right? I would have been freaking no out. Lights. Especially said, uh, in the, "Let's go in the evening." I'm like, "Wait a minute, man! Like, what? we can't yeah. go in the morning. Like, what? What are we doing?" Yeah. And then the terrain yeah. of that of that lake was kind of crazy, with like hills and all this other mm -hmm. stuff. 
Mm-hmm. So if you got a if you got a windstorm, it was like, probably like a tunnel. It was mm-hmm. just it was just like mm-hmm. even magnified even more. So yeah, yeah, I can't even imagine, man. That's scary. And and I think this is so. Your main point one was that he takes us through the storms, and I don't think you contrasted it here, but you contrasted it against the story of Jonah, right? Like mm-hmm. the other boat and storm trip. So you you more or less said like are you gonna follow Jesus and go with Jesus and be on mission, or are you gonna try and go hide and be on vacation? Uh, <laughs> I think that was kind of the your main point, right? Like what is mm-hmm. what is your purpose? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was in the second one where the second point about him being asleep, that mm-hmm. should immediately like call to mind. Oh wait. I know a story about a dude that was asleep in the bottom of the boat. Oh, okay, storm. that's why I was there. Okay. You know, it was a famous story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they all bleed together. I mean, the whole the whole narrative bleeds together. The oh, points are, yeah. you know, the points ooze into each other. So the first point of he takes us through storms, I was trying to emphasize, he was taking them to do ministry in the Decapolis. So the Decapolis was, you know, the other, the pagan people, the rough side of the lake. Um you know, that would have been where all the Gentiles were. Uh, and so he was taking them out there to do ministry. And if you follow the stories, the, the ministry they do, I think in all three of the synoptic versions, it's it's in this order. Because, you know, the synoptics, they don't always give you the same stories in the same order. But mm-hmm. I think in all three of them, he immediately heals the demoniac. The demoniac, yeah. Um, i got to double check the text here. It's Mark four was one I was doing, but the, the uh, parallels are in Matthew 8 and Luke 8. Um, but he's taking them to do ministry in the Decapolis. The other side of the lake is, is the rough neighborhood. It's the pagan neighborhood. It's the non-Jewish side. It's where everybody's, it's kind of cosmopolitan. People are from all over the Roman and Assyrian empires and Persian empires. And, you know, it's just like a, a mix of people from all over in those other cities. So, yeah, he takes us through storms. He takes us to do stuff. He takes us on mission. And then I backed that up again in the next point with, he was asleep. And that was a sleep of confidence, not a sleep of avoidance. Jonah, it was a sleep of avoidance, you know. <laughs> hiding. Exactly. The taking, I, I thought that was so good, the taking you to something terrifying to get you ready for terrifying ministry. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, was, that was so well said. But I think the pattern in scripture so much, and, and I think... It's fast to, to try to see that in our own lives, but and it made me think of um, the Israelites and wandering in the desert, you know, mm-hmm. and just that that again and again seeing that, like they give you your your food, day you can learn to trust me for food, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you where to go day by day so you can learn to trust me. It's a strange, but that after the desert is huge battles, you know, you're gonna go to the promised land. But we know there was all these battles and they had to trust God as their leader to actually take the land, right? And so I just, I think that's the thing to see. And I was saying we went through uh, the Joseph story and Joseph, we we know the end of the story is going to be he's the secondhand ruler of Egypt. And so on the way there, God does all these things that are so hard you got to see that preparing him to be that leader. And uh, yeah. so I, I just think that's, that's an interesting pattern we see, but that you can only like hold on in those moments. If you believe God has, has a plan. And 
So even when you're, you feel like you're wandering the desert or even when you feel like you're out in a tiny boat in the storm, it may be that God is teaching you to trust so that you can face these harder things and, and look back and say, oh, yeah, <laughs> you, and I know you were king of the storm. I believe you'll be king of this crazy you know, possessed guy that, that we're facing now you know, or whatever it is. I just love that preparation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I, I think one of the hardest things for us to get a grip on is that God is present in the storms, because mm-hmm. we often look at it like, "Where are you, God? Mm-hmm. Why would this happen to me?" Mm-hmm. And, and so I—that's—I mean, I—I'm just thinking of the worst things that happen to people in life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's really hard to convince ourselves that God is actually with me actually available uh, or even to look back on something and say where was God in that yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I think when I when I look at the the narrative portion of it I just find joy in it because of the, like I think Chris was saying about the preparation because he shows them his power and then immediately off the boat he start doing all these miracles but now mm-hmm. they can really believe because they've actually, they've actually seen God do these things. They're like, whoa. So now when he does these uh, miracles, they have faith. I mean, they mm-hmm. can truly believe in the power mm-hmm. of, um, of all these things because they've seen it eyewitness on this boat. Like, who can calm a sea? I mean, that's, that's nature. So I can only imagine being a disciple at that point, actually seeing that. That would freak me out uh, big time. <laughs> I, would, I would be like, wait a minute. I believe, man. I believe. <laughs> and then um, at that point, I would believe that he could do anything. And it will be like a coach, man. I just want to run through a wall for you at that point. So I think um, seeing that power and then seeing him go on the other side of the sea and, and uh, exhibit all of that, uh, those miracles, man, I can't even fathom that. I mean, it's, it's also a good reminder, though, to remember that later on there's another story like this where Peter and then the wind's blowing and he takes his eyes off Jesus and doesn't trust him. So even though he's already seen Jesus say peace and be still to storms and calm a storm, Mm. even though now they've gone through lots of ministry when it comes to that point, like Mm. this is, this is the next story. So, you know, you did Jonah and then this story. Mm. And I felt like, well, the next one is the storm happens again. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh man. What's interesting about that, Joe, is that I'll, every time I read that one, I always think about, well, man, what about the other disciples? They didn't even try. I mean, Peter, <laughs> yeah. Peter actually yeah. went out. I mean, these yep. jokers yep. just stayed on the, on the ship. Like, I mean, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. They've already walked yeah. through this episode with Jesus where there was a storm and they're freaking out and he's asleep. They wake him up and now it's happening again and they're freaking out again still. So I don't know. Yeah. We'd be ragging on Peter, man. But I'd be like, and look. You should talk about these other disciples because they ain't even trying. <laughs> <laughs> Scared ones. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, we're kind of into your second point. So he's unafraid of the storms. Um, and we've already talked a little bit about him being asleep and what that looked like. But can you someone briefly recap that? Yeah. So, I mean, that's just it was just off of verse 38. He's he's asleep and they think he doesn't care. And so. I tried to communicate in scripture, there are two kinds of sleep. There's the sleep of accomplishment and and mission, and then there's the sleep of like avoidance and laziness. So, you know, you see this theme in the Proverbs, someone who wants to sleep all the time as a fool or a lazy sluggard, or you can see this picture of Sabbath rest that we have in God, or 
the idea. This is a little confusing for us because it's it's a slightly different idiom, but like sitting in a chair is something a king does when he's done with his work or a priest done is, does when he's finished his service is kind of the way that the terms are used in Hebrews um, and in ancient literature. Because we sit in chairs all the time, right? So we think of chairs as like normal life. <laughs> but a chair in the Old Testament literature would have been more like a throne. It would have been more like a bed, um, a special thing for someone who's done their job and has a position and is now resting. And so, so anyway, uh, the, the image is either sleep is either the sleep of someone who knows what's going on. He's unafraid. He's accomplished his work. He's confident or sleep is uh, the fool that's running away from his problems like Jonah. And so I thought that that was a really beautiful contrast, literary contrast between, okay, which is it? What, what is Jesus here? The disciples immediately accuse him of, of being lazy in a sense, right? Of, of like, you don't care. We're dying and you don't care about us. You're avoiding saving us. And he's like, How, you know, why are you afraid? Why don't you have faith in me? Um, so he counters mm-hmm. that in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I guess I was trying to applicationally say, man, we do that all the time, too. You know, when we we misinterpret the circumstances, um, my wife and I have been uh listening to some counseling uh, podcasts. And one of the phrases that comes up a lot is that children are great observers, but bad interpreters. Mm. And that's kind of what we see happening here, right? They're observing something, but they're not interpreting it correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's true. That's we do the same thing. We think God is asleep. He doesn't care when it may be, no, God is unafraid and he's taking us, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. new or somewhere may, where maybe afraid to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that because I was I was not gonna, I kind of left you hanging with that. We think God's not there statement, mm-hmm. but there's really a there's a looking at it later as we mature and saying, oh, look what God did in that. Look what He changed in me, mm-hmm. and and I think that's something we need to learn to do. Is we may not see it in the storm, right? We may not even yeah. realize it's happening, yeah. but after it passes. Uh, we may be able to see that God has been doing something. He's been redeeming something. Mm. Uh, in their case, it was building faith. In our case, we're building faith. But but helping us see that I changed you in that. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. that. This is a half-formed thought, so bear with me. But I, mm-hmm. I think there's that moment too of just of just holding on and waiting, you know, waiting on God and believing he's with you. Um, and what's, what's strange is I talk to people and I experienced this in my own life too. Like if you, if you never have held on through the storm, you, you've never seen the other side. And, mm-hmm. you know, like there's this temptation, temptation always to just, God, are you with me? Okay. I'm going to hang on for a little bit. Oh, never mind. I'm going to pull around and I'm either going to like drown my sorrows in some way, or I'm going to hit eject or, you know, I'm going to protect myself, right? Mm. That There's that self-defense thing that kicks in so fast. And for people, um, I think when you have never actually held <laughs> to the other side, you don't believe it's there. You don't believe rescue is coming. You don't believe mm. is going to say, peace, be still. Because you jumped out of the boat and swam back to the shore, you know, and wounded uh, yourself along the way, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So I think the real experience often is, uh, we don't have faith because we haven't just held on long enough, uh, you know, and, and waited on God's timing. And I, 
Um, at least that's something I've experienced. Are you guys, do you understand that? Do you agree? I mean, is that yeah. a thing you've experienced? Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that's common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, bail one of the one of the things that I also enjoy about this about that particular verse is that um is that we also see Jesus' humanity, like you see his full humanity and his full divinity in this in this parable or this story. Um and I like it because he's man, he's been preaching and uh he's sleep, he's tired, man. I mean mm-hmm. <laughs> he's sleep on the back of the boat like we would all do uh if we were preaching all day. Um so I love that I love that part of it. Um because it just shows I can only imagine disciples again seeing that Jesus is fully human, but then also to see he's fully God when he calms down this storm. So I think that gives a glimpse of um, just us realizing that he is fully human um, and he's also fully God. And so that God man narrative is, is all throughout this story. Um, so it just continues to point back to who Jesus is. And I think um, for me, it's just never lose sight of that. Yeah. So you talked um you know, on on how the they responded, like, do you do you not care, teacher? And you apply that to us. Um, mm-hmm. and you talked about us thinking that God is absent. I was thinking mm-hmm. maybe aloof might be a better word. Oh uh, yeah, because yeah. he's he's there, but like kind of like yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? like indifferent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I like that. I like so that. I'm wondering. So you said, is he really absent or is he unafraid of yeah. the mission? And you talked about our song we sang, the kid song that week. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else about teacher? Do you not care? Is God aloof or indifferent in our troubles and trials? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think when we sing psalms or read psalms, we see that being being the question, a tug back and forth. So, God, are you aloof? God, are you absent? God, do you not care? You know, where are you or how long? I know you're there, but how long are you going to let me suffer this way? So I think the Psalms really encourage us to be honest about that. The way I said in the sermon was, God already knows what you're thinking. <laughs> you, know, you might as well have the conversation with him. And, uh, and so then in that process, to me, the Christian having that conversation, having the Psalm pattern prayer is, God, where are you? What are you doing? Yet I will praise you is kind of where the Psalms go, because I know you are a saving God. You are a good God. You are a gracious God, a God of steadfast love. Mm. For the psalmist, that's based in general on his character and on his saving acts in, in the Exodus and other places. And for Christians in this time of history, it's based very squarely on the cross and resurrection of Christ. So that's what we see in Romans 8. So we kind of have this prayer pattern in all the Psalms of, God, do you care? Okay, wait, I think I think you do. I can remember your faithfulness. I think you do care, even though I'm feeling like you don't in the moment. And in Romans 8, it's like we go back to the cross. And, you know, what can separate us from the love that God has? Can nakedness or famine or sword or difficult, you know, can any storm separate us from God's love? And that's kind of what Paul was going through in Romans 8. Mm-hmm. Similar pattern that we see in, in the Psalms and, and with the disciples of like, Jesus, do you care? And he's like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> I'm right here. Why didn't you trust me? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just in, encouraging people to go through that as a process. That's that is what our daily prayer process is. You know, like wake up in the morning, 
God, is the world still falling apart? Is it still 2020? <laughs> Do you care? Are you with us? Do you love us? You know, and like we, we pray through this with the Lord and are reassured of his love and his, his goodness as we, you know, remind ourselves of who he is in the word. Yeah. Which really yeah. takes to your third point, and maybe y'all we're going to start talking about it, but let me mm-hmm. frame it. He builds faith in storms is your, is your third point. Um, mm-hmm. So he's not just saying, I don't care. He's not saying, I'm, I'm not even here. He's saying, no, I'm using this to grow you and to cause you to trust in Jesus. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I like the fact, uh, as you go into that third point, Joe, is that, you know, they call them, they call them teacher or rabbi. So they, they, I mean, they know who he is, but at the same time, it's like, they, they're not interpreting his teaching. Right. But they mm-hmm. know he's the teacher. They know he's the one to go to. Um, but yet they still are in a complete panic. <laughs> they're in a complete panic. And all I, all I do want to say as an aside, I want to sleep with Jesus because it was a violent storm and he was that sleep that it didn't wake him up. I just want that type of sleep. Can somebody give me that sleep that yeah, <laughs> somebody yes. has to wake me up in a freaking hurricane? I mean, <laughs> I just want that sleep. Yes. But yeah, go ahead. I just thought that was really funny. He was knocked out. Like, mm-hmm. man. But they know who to go to. Yeah. They called him Rabbi. So they know exactly who to go to. And I, and I like that part. Mm. Yeah. There's that fascinating interplay I was thinking about with um, – like you said, we didn't get, we don't, sometimes don't give the disciples, they went to Jesus in the middle of the storm instead of just trying it on their own. So they're like taking this one step. Yeah. And then they're asking, do you not care? Which I guess to me is this interesting, <laughs> like, like you're not even doing any, I mean, like, like <laughs> love basically is the question. And I think at that point, it, you know, this is assuming some, but well, I mean, you see it unpacked, so they, they don't know if he has any, like, toward them or about their situation. But then they're still a step away from, can he do anything about it? Like, maybe they were thinking, at least as a human man, like one of us, you could, like, row with or at least <laughs> At least you could like, bail at least water. Wake up, yeah. <laughs> at least wake up and do what we're doing, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of like, uh, I think about that... Um, I think it's, is it in Isaiah? Uh, it's either Psalms or Isaiah. It talks about the two things I've, that the Lord has told me that he's doing and that he is strong. And so I think, see, see like, so one is God cares. <laughs> Step is, is he even doing anything about this situation? And then there's that third step of, is he going to choose to do it? You know, and so I think you should watch the disciples kind of go through that. Like, so like Elliot said, they had that first thing. He's, but and then even after that you have to say but even if he cared could he do anything about it and and that's the the beautiful thing that god does embody um and what jesus did embody that he is and strong and he had he could do something hey bud (laughs) oh he is strong and he can do something about it um and what did he do he rebuked it and you, mm-hmm. you said, uh, what you, peace be still, that we often think of it as like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. a nice, quiet worship song. Peace. Yeah, peace right. <laughs> yeah, one of those words, I think, be still or peace, one of them is, is like muzzle. I mean, it is, it's shut up. Yeah, it's like muzzle, yeah. I know, and I've, I've wrestled with that because I know 
that's like a cuss word in some families, but I mean that that's the closest translation really. It's it's shut up. It's like yeah. Um it was it was rough language, we'll say. Mm. Abrupt language. It was authoritative. It was authoritative. It was definitely authoritative. Like shut up. Like mm-hmm. stop it. Yeah. yeah. Stop it. Just the Jesus, the Jesus storybook that that I love that line. She says, "And the wind and the waves recognize the voice of their maker," or something like like ah, yeah. like I knew who into him <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, that's such a yeah. cool moment. That is scary, man. Like, <laughs> man, can you imagine an abrupt man? Mm-hmm. Wow. And the disciples were scared, right? They exactly. Were yeah. Their fear was no longer at the storm. They're, then they were oh. terrified of Jesus. Exactly. <laughs> it's like I, when I was this. telling this, I was reading this to uh, kiddos a, a few months ago, and it was like I was, I was imagining that moment of just like <laughs> background noise, everybody disciples are yelling, and then it stops, and they're like someone's still yelling, you know, <laughs> like hey, yeah. can you help that? And then everything goes away, and you're like, whoa, what? Just you know, like that just that scary. visceral like. Oh man, that's so so imagine. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, you took it to it being another image of God rescuing His people, right? Um, you pointed to yes. Old Testament. Psalm one hundred seven has has parallel language. Uh, in Psalm one hundred seven, it talks about a lot of. Time, um, circumstances that people are rescued from and like these are different ways that God rescues people and then they give thanks to Yahweh for his power Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and one of them is specifically Psalm 107 verses 28 through 31 it's he tells the the waves to be still the storm to be still and hushed um, so yeah it's a it's a an echo of of the same language of what Jesus did so this is you know so again if you can imagine I was trying to set this up like you know, we have like our favorite hymns and our favorite praise choruses and our favorite songs that remind us of God's power and presence and saving work. And, you know, they knew the Psalms. They read and prayed and sang the Psalms together. So this was a song they would have been very familiar with. You know, so when Jesus does this, they're going to be thinking, oh, I'm experiencing what Yahweh does in that song. You know, mm-hmm. like that's what Jesus is doing right now is mm-hmm. what I've been singing about Yahweh. Um and so it just it should it would be a very powerful connection. It would just be a very uh, tight connection in their in their minds and hearts. Um, mm. And I tried to tie that in with the with the Exodus too. So you know that Psalm Psalm 107 was talking generally about people on the ocean and people in ships needing help and God helping them. But throughout the Psalms and throughout the prophets, they kept referencing God saving them through the storm waters of of the Red Sea. God parting those waters. Those waters of death were parted. Um, and so, yeah, it just all this, it's all tied together. You know, it's like Jesus is fulfilling everything. You know, the best stories are when the, you know, the ending books tie together all these loose threads, you know, people talk about like the Lord of the Rings books or the Harry Potter books, or, you know, some mystery novel that ties together in the end, all this stuff that was like weird and confusing before. (laughs) And that, that's what's happening here with Jesus. He's tying together like all of these images from, from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. I, I found it interesting so that, that um, 
that I'm sorry, Chris, but um, I find it interesting that he used nature as a as this mm-hmm. as this idea of to show its power because it has to harken back, like you said, to not only Exodus with the Red Sea too, but um, but Genesis, like yes. <laughs> the creation of the world. Yeah, this has to be God who can control nature, who can control yeah. creation. Um, yeah. So I think it's you know he didn't use you know like a person. Well, he did in Mark one, but with the, all the disciples. Mm-hmm. He went straight for creation, so they yeah. had to believe that this is God mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. He created yeah. nature. So if He can control nature, mm-hmm. we must believe. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, I kept finding myself thinking about that too, like the yeah. spirit hovering over the waters and yes, the spirit and yes. wind and raw, 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 whatever. Raw. Raw. Mm-hmm. Raw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love what you're saying about Dave, like they're experiencing the psalm that they've been used to singing. And I think that's, I'll nerd out a second on on a Christian view of art, right? You were were alluding to these not necessarily Christian works, but but stories. Uh, So there's a Christian view of art, but specifically truly Christian is such a fascinating thing because it's like, it's like biographical poetry. So it's not, it's mm-hmm. the same thing as just pure fiction. It's mm-hmm. like the God that is the same and, and we learn about the way that he interacts and he continues to interact. So even as you're reading these poems, it's like, and someday I'm going to experience that type of thing. And so, yeah. you know, like it's just mm-hmm. such a unique, like mm-hmm. um, teaching, it's art that teaches, you know, same thing yeah. with our songs. Too. Like we, it's not just, Oh great! You know, someone went through some hard thing, and God saved them. And unique to them, it's hey, that's gonna happen sometime. I need to have my eyes out for it. Like, mm-hmm. what a cool, what a cool mm-hmm. thing that seems unique to to Christian art. And then you can view other art that is true and beautiful, no matter what its source, and know that God is the owner of truth and beauty. So, so you'll experience something like that uh, in your life. Yeah. And I mean, it, that really leads to your final application, too, of, you know, when we trust God, we're allowed that freedom. And you talked about, you know, the freedom of self-forgetfulness, but also talked about the freedom to actually be on mission, I guess, and the freedom to, um, you know, have compassion and the freedom to have discussions. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and you tied that back to they were going somewhere to do ministry, right? And they yeah. freaked out in the middle of the craziness. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. thoughts on that one? Yeah, I mean, that, uh, you know, I think that brings us back around to the current, the current division in our culture. You know, like if you actually believe that God loves you and he saved you and no politics, no club, no race, no ideology can save you, but only Jesus can save you. Then you can have conversations like Romans 12, 15 through 16 talks about of harmony, compassion, listening to each other, crying with each other, celebrating with each other. But if you don't believe that about Jesus, you got to fight. We, we got to fight each other. You know, <laughs> it's like we got to fight it out and scrap for our survival if Jesus isn't going to take care of us. Um, so, you know, some of my favorite authors talk about that. Well, the Bible talks about it that way, you know, as orphans. <laughs> Orphans versus sonship, right? Are we are we orphans or are we sons? Are we are we saved to do ministry, or are we saving ourselves so we can't afford time to do ministry? You know, we can't we can't help others because we got to we got to survive. Um, and so that that was, I think, trying to really drill it down to 
this present cultural moment of division and worry and fear. And if you say the wrong thing, oh, no, that means you're on the bad team. And, <laughs> you know, you're you're a part mm-hmm. of this conspiracy to take over this or that or whatever. And I'm like, can't we just have conversations and talk about this stuff and trust that Jesus is our hope? And so that gives us the freedom to have these conversations, you know? Mm. I was thinking as you were talking about all that, it, uh, do we see ourselves as we're all on a journey towards scary ministry? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we're experiencing these things in our lives that are mm-hmm. opportunities to trust and to be prepared for what God's bringing us to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I, I like when, as soon as the, uh, when you do get to the other side, he goes, uh, the two stories that's revealed to us are the demoniac and then Jairus's daughter, which mm-hmm. are two like marginalized people. I mean, mm-hmm. you have the demoniac and, and children um, who mm-hmm. in that day and age didn't have the same level, almost like we do today. So a lot of times children don't get that um, that that respect. So yeah. I find it interesting that you see it in these stories, they, how they align and you see Jesus going after these, uh, well, at least it's told to us the way in the order it is. The man, a maniac, and then a, a child. Mm-hmm. So it kind of mm-hmm. gives the, it kind of puts it in your mind that these are the sorts of things that we should be looking towards as well. Mm-hmm. Those, um, those marginalized uh, areas and things like that. Yeah, yeah, outsiders. Yeah, the weak, the oppressed, the hurt. I mean, the other one was the lady that we that we told the story before. That happens after this. This the lady that was bleeding, so she was unclean. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, definitely. She was a religious outsider because of her uncleanness, because of her sickness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other thoughts on sermon? We're almost through it. Woo! It was personally very encouraging to me. So, <laughs> you know, the I'm always preaching to myself, I think, any any honest Bible teacher has to be receiving, you know, the word as they're sharing the word. But it was just especially encouraging to me. Like, man, the world is just crazy, you know, like everything's nuts. <laughs> but Jesus is king. Jesus is king. And that that was really encouraging to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was encouraging to me, too, as well. Just thinking, just thinking through um story of the storm but i just i just kept replaying in my mind about you saying this is all this is all a good on mission mm. um that, that really impacted me a lot um mm. because i think sometimes we may miss that especially in this one because mm. we get so caught up in the story of the storm <laughs> and mm-hmm. we kind of forget like hey they were moving they were going somewhere so even when yeah. i look at my own life it's just like we are to be on mission and it's not going to be easy mm-hmm. um and, against, and then it kind of goes, I don't say goes against, but it kind of layers the idea of preaching the gospel mm-hmm. because preaching the gospel is doing something. It's like going somewhere, doing mission, helping yeah. people, telling them the truth. It's more, it's, it's more than just standing on a street corner just saying Jesus, Jesus is the Savior. It's actually like doing something, mm-hmm. helping people. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Uh, uh, man, that really stuck to me. Mm. Yeah. I guess a follow-up question to that is, what does that look like in uh, modern times right now, in the age of coronavirus? Mm. But we don't have to answer that. But that's oh, something that's we should be thinking about, for sure. Well, you know, I think the current um, combination of distance plus minor 
opening from the shutdown really helps us to say, let's focus on ones and twos. You know, let me let me talk to one or two people, uh, you know, as, as we're trying to be a church that gathers but not gathers too many people too closely because of the germ concerns. I think in this age of division, what we can do is have a social distance meeting with one person or a phone call with one per- person or a prayer meeting with one person or two people, you know, like that. That is a very real thing that we can do. Um, and so I think that's, that's, uh, that's exciting. We had a, uh, pastors gathered at city hall Saturday morning and prayed together. And I was just hugely encouraged by that, you know, just remembering that prayer is a thing. (laughs) Prayer is, prayer is doing something. It's easy. It's easy to put it in the category of like, that's not really doing anything, you know, but man, it was, it was so encouraging. Um, and, uh, we were distanced and we were outside, but just all these, all these pastors praying together for the city at city hall. It was just, yeah, it was really encouraging. I think, I think one thing we're saying, I say it pretty often, but I just, uh, keeping in mind that life doesn't feel like the song and life doesn't feel like the story. Um, and I think that's the thing we mix up a lot. Um, we can read the beauty of a story and we can sing a beautiful poetic perfectly formed song and then expect emotionally that those moments will feel the same and i I just want to pressing all of us that that's just not that's just not the way it works um you know (laughs) living living an epic story does not same thing as reading it and so we just have to be careful to learn the learn the lessons that, that were learned you know that is a great way to learn the lessons but i just want people to be very aware that those things are just postcards from a location but you don't you don't feel it doesn't feel the same thing staring at a postcard as as going to the place and so just ready to be ready for that right um that's why it is real i think it is super helpful and important not just to read stories like but to get down into the 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 um taste and touch and smell and the like the experience of of how disorienting it is, you know, um, I, I just, I, I'll tell people, um, choosing worship songs, right? Um, that's the, the, what's the difference between singing it as well and living the story behind that song when, when uh, your whole family you. grounds and you trust yeah. Jesus anyway, like <laughs> that, that can be the experience. So, so one, be careful that, that your only experience of trusting Jesus is not a, in the four walls of the church or during yes. a one hour of service because that is a encouragement and a pointer and a learning time and that's not the same as as risking out street <laughs> risking you know rubber meets the road um if that makes sense i just i think that's, that's something i just keep wanting to say like those things should inspire us and we should not be in we should not be surprised when the real hard ministry hurts and <laughs> and is confusing and um mm-hmm. you still that's that's you trust jesus mm-hmm. i think i think for me i would say uh get in the boat man just get mm-hmm. in the boat yeah. don't, don't, don't stay where you are uh Mm-hmm. Uh, we see multiple times and throughout the accounts of Jesus that these are some scary things. These are mm-hmm. things that make the disciples uncomfortable. He ministered to people that they think that mm-hmm. he should not. <laughs> and it's, it's this constant uh, thing that of Jesus going 
uh, going into places and talking to people and healing people and mentioning to people that we that they did not think that he should have um, been doing. And it's just powerful. So it's like it's going to look different than what we may think it looks like when we in ministry. Um, but if we were just following Jesus, definitely according to what this word says, hey, just get in the boat and go along for the ride. Like, <laughs> don't, don't stay where you are and only think uh, and be short sighted or closed minded into the um, into the things that God has for has for you. Um, just, I, I just can't stop thinking about the demoniac, man. As soon as you get off the boat, this is a guy they know is evil possessed. They would no one would touch this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but Jesus goes in, get out of the boat. And he and he helps it. And he heals him. And now this guy's an evangelist at the end. Like, go tell everybody about. You know yeah. So that's the type of work um, that I think that I'm reminded of when I think about this. But if you don't get on the boat, man, yeah. <laughs> you just yeah. short sighted. Yeah. Yeah. Be willing to cross over to the other side. Yes. Yes. All right. Last chance. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. This has been Sunday Recap. We look forward to seeing you guys um, this coming Sunday. Uh, register for our in-person gathering of 75 about people or come see us Sunday night in the parking lot at 8 p.m. We will see you guys next week. Woohoo!